The following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Comey Snake. Welcome back to Escape from New York Minute, where we celebrate and analyze the dystopian classic one minute at a time. I'm Eric Deutsch. And I'm Molly Balin. And joining us in Manhattan prison one last time today from the Vibrant Visionaries podcast and the Cabin Minute cast, it's Heidi Bennett. Thanks for having me on. I'm still holding on here in the prison. (laughs) Uh, This minute is minute 63. It starts out with Snake and the Duke staring each other down, and it ends with a helicopter searching for someone. So we get for, I believe, the fourth time in this movie, the I heard you were dead line. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so even the Duke knows who Snake is, and even the Duke thought he was dead. What a reputation. I have a question about that. Yeah. I know it's a running running gag in this film. Is there something specific like, the heist that he was a part of supposedly he was killed during or something, or do we ever know? Or is it just, this is the mystique around him is that we heard he was dead. Yeah. We have discussed this a bunch of times and the movie definitely does not give any inclination at all of why everybody thinks this. So we've thrown out a bunch of theories. I don't, I personally don't think it's because of the heist because the heist would have just happened. And I don't see how, word would have traveled so quickly into the prison oh they caught snake plissken snake plissken's dead i always took it to be that he just hasn't been he was a big deal he hasn't been heard from in a while maybe so people just assumed he was dead but it's it's all up to viewer interpretation gotcha and we have a we have another eye twitch i started counting (laughs) it yesterday's minute duke's got one more eye twitch in this minute and i like how he slowly holds up the tire iron (laughs) <laughs> as he's talking to snake it's this without threatening him verbally it's he's he's saying without actually saying any words i'm gonna use this on you and snake he definitely knows what's coming and then wham one slam with the tire on and right there on the neck and snake goes down which is a little uh convenient i mean the guy is taking some pretty serious stuff already in this movie and the Duke takes him out with one swing of the tire iron. I think we've brought this up a few times as a trope about getting hit and you just automatically pass out from it. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. Maybe this was the tire iron whack that just broke the camel's back, so to speak, <laughs> with his central nervous system. But, you know, the man's been shot in the leg. It's been man- The wound's been manipulated now. And he's been punched in the face a few times. And but hey, the tire iron, the menacing tire iron, <laughs> is the thing that just drops him. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice this. You guys may already be familiar with this character. The guy that's holding him is like, is he missing half an arm? Take a look here. Which second are you looking at? Well, I don't know. I'm not looking exactly at the second. So I'd say okay, he hits him with the tire iron. And then, um, and this could be one of those things like you were talking about, Molly, where just I'm not seeing things quite 
the way they are. But I see, I see what you're saying, Molly. If you go to like second, like twenty one, I think it's just he's got his arm like tucked underneath. Oh yeah, like that. But I, I, I see what you're talking about. I think it's just more like the camera angle. Gotcha. Okay. I did notice that from the previous minute that they are holding him kind of awkwardly. Yeah. Yeah. He's got limbs intact. <laughs> limbs intact. <laughs> All yeah. limbs accounted for. All limbs accounted for. So in the novel, they address how Snake has to be awake and physically active for nearly 24 hours, and, and they don't really discuss it in the movie. But in the novel, Hauk gives Snake a chunk of crystal meth to use <laughs> to keep his energy up. And unfortunately, after the Duke captures him, he loses the chunk of crystal meth. Oh. Obviously before five-hour energy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, it fits you... in well with the Escape from New York universe, though. Oh, it does. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I. that's for sure, for sure. I do think it's kind of funny that the Duke has a tire iron <laughs> on him, like, as the preferred weapon. Not like a bow and arrow, not a bat, you know, not like a Negan bat with, like, the... Uh, right. um, yeah, the barbed wire around it or anything. It's just a it's just a tire iron, you know? He's a he's an extravagant man, but he's also a man of simple taste. <laughs> maybe it's a, it's his favorite tool because maybe that's what he uses to change the tires on his awesome chandeliered limo. And oh. so it's just like this is his, you know, this is his thing. He walks around with it and he does whatever he possibly can with it. Yeah, maybe he was a mechanic in his former life. What was I wonder what the Duke was. I mean, putting whatever his crimes were. Like, you had to have a legitimate job at some point, some kind of a career other than just being a criminal. Um, I mean, he's some kind of a leader. Could have owned yeah. his own his own mechanic, his own uh, car garage or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he strikes me as an entrepreneur. <laughs> the garage might have even been, like, you know, the Duke, the Duke's garage or something like that. He could have been the Duke even before he was in prison. That's totally true. Yeah, it could have been. Do you have a sense of like, have you ever thought about what he was before? Not until right now. Maybe he was a soul singer. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> like I have that? seen that Cadillac that he owns um, at the Stax Museum. Uh, oh, you have? Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, absolutely. It's quite the same thing to see in person yeah we talked about that uh is the, his that he actually had his own personal uh made just for him as part of uh, a contract negotiation that sounds like the kind of thing he'd do <laughs> <laughs> and so in doing some research it turns out that the duke of new york is actually the name of a bar in a clockwork orange mm, cool I not the milk bar, but I guess another bar at some point. I haven't seen the movie in a really long time, so I can't remember what it is. But uh, I, that can't be coincidence that John Carpenter named him the Duke of New York. And so, uh, let's use this to segue in. I haven't done this in a little bit. We haven't done it yet for the Duke. Uh, Isaac Hayes, born in 1942. I'm going to throw at you two some other actors born in 1942. If you'd like to put on your imagination hats and picture these <laughs> following actors as the Duke in this movie instead of Isaac Hayes. Terry Jones from uh, Monty Python fame. Mm. Uh, keeping in with uh, musicians who also were known to have acted at some point. How about Peter Tork from The Monkees? <laughs> what? <laughs> 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 
killer. <laughs> uh, tying in my previous movie by minute, Richard O'Brien played uh, Riff Raff in Rocky Horror. I like that. Hmm. Molly, you just mentioned The Walking Dead. Scott Wilson, who played Herschel. Oh, yeah. Also oh, very love Scott Wilson. I love him. R.I.P. Yeah. Yes, totally rest yes, in peace, sir. Year. Yes. Uh, yet an- another singer who also has been known to act. How about Wayne Newton as the Duke? <laughs> <laughs> I could get behind that. That's cool. <laughs> he is the bad guy in The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Wow. <laughs> Did I just bring one up, Molly, that you've never seen? I've I've heard of the movie. I've never seen it. No. Okay. <laughs> no as a boy, the... as a boy growing up in the eighties, you know, Andrew Dice Clay was uh, the be all end all. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm aware of the movie. I've just never seen it. That's but just the the concept of like Wayne Newton being a villain <laughs> is is pretty amazing. Uh, John Witherspoon, who people would know most as the dad in Friday and the Wayans Brothers. Oh, yeah. Harrison Ford. Oh. Has he ever even played a villain in his entire career? Uh, he did. Um, damn, that the horror movie that he was in with Michelle Pfeiffer? Yes, yeah, yeah, where he, uh, he killed the girlfriend in a tub. Yeah. Uh, okay, I never saw that one, okay. The Undertub, I think it's called. <laughs> The Undertub. The Undertub. <laughs> uh, Chris Sarandon. Oh, he would be awesome. He might yeah, be my, my favorite on this whole list I'm going through uh, as someone who could have pulled this off. Uh, Fred Dalton Thompson. Uh, people, He's one of those guys, you know him if you saw him. Uh, he was in Law and Order, and he was in Die Hard 2. Uh, he was a U.S. Senator at one point. If people don't know who he is, Google him. You'll know his face right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Hoskins. Oh, oh that yeah. would have been good. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And last, Winchester himself from MASH, David Ogden Stiers. Oh, wow. You know, he could have actually played the... MASH minute. <laughs> yes. He could have played the president. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I, uh, what was the one you were saying would have been good? Yeah, Chris Sarandon. Yeah. Yeah, I'm down for that. Totally. Mm-hmm. So then uh, the last half of this minute is just a helicopter flying over the city. Uh, he says they're looking on infrared. Um, presumably they're looking for the president or possibly Snake or both. Uh, we get a little bit more of the cool graphics. The helicopter has the same graphic readout that uh, the Gulf Fire did. Um, you know, unfortunately, nothing really particularly exciting about this helicopter ride. And uh, you guys discussed the way that they did that with the, um, the miniatures and such? Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it is. Uh, what's I, I? Well, I guess you just said this earlier. I was going to ask what you thought about it, but I, I guess you just told us. Yeah, yeah. Well, I watched this with my husband, who's seen it several times. And so he was saying, oh, yeah, yeah, point this out. And I said, well, I bet they've already covered it earlier <laughs> in the movie. But I did think it was pretty neat. I'd like uh, maybe we can see some of those in uh, um, future uh, Cameron films. You know, maybe he'll bring those back in the... <laughs> the avatars of the future that nobody's excited about seeing. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll never know, I'm not planning on seeing any of those. So. <laughs> Maybe he'll decide eventually to just go practical with them, and, and they'll have those outline, those tape outlines for their those those characters, whatever they're called. Oh, yeah, the, the blue cat people. Yeah. I don't even remember. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's been too long. Uh, and I don't know enough about 
you know, helicopter glare or whatnot. But the only thing about this that I, I kind of was like, huh, it's it's at night and it seems like the helicopter uh, pilot here has got some really, really dark shades on mm. considering it's a night. And so I was like, oh, is there actually some sort of digital readout that he's reading on the inside of, of the, the glasses? And I was like, no, that's really, I think, a little bit farther ahead than we really don't have any precedent for that because they were reading it out on, you know, a control panel previously in minutes. But I, I just find it very interesting that they, you know, don't have something that's clear, you know, like that would be that helmet would be indicative of, you know, daytime warfare versus nighttime because, again, it's I wear my sunglasses at night kind of a thing. Right. Okay. I just have to say, I was looking up the movie with Michelle Pfeiffer. It's called What Lies Beneath. Oh, yes. So it's not Undertub. <laughs> no, it's not Undertub. But, you know, that was pretty close, you got to say. And um, the writers for that are a woman named Sarah Cornishan and Clark Gregg. Oh, sure up, really? <laughs> Colson. Colson, baby. Nice. So, yeah, just an unexpected little Colson connection there. So, but spoiler alert for a film that came out in 2000. He's the bad guy. Ah, oh, damn. Harrison Ford. Yeah. I just remember that one scene where, like, chicks in the tub and the dog comes up. So he's like basically setting it up to like kill her. And the dog comes up and he's like, hey there, doggy. And it's just like this really sweet moment he's having with his dog while he's like setting up a murder at the same time. And it was just like a really good piece of acting that's very eerie coming from Harrison Ford. I recall it being pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Well, I had one little thought here on a previous minute. And this one Eric is connecting to your previous Movies by Minutes Flash oh. Gordon podcast. Ah. So in a couple minutes here, when I'm not around anymore and you guys soldier on without me, <laughs> <laughs> um, Snake's going to meet a, a, big, a big boy in the ring. Oh, yes. And what's his name? That character's name? Slag. Slag. That's a great... That's a great... <laughs> And when I saw Slag, I thought, oh, he looks like the love child of Emperor Ming and Prince Volton. (laughs) 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 So squish them fellas together and you get a Slagster. (laughs) Brad wishes he could turn his mic on to weigh in on that one right now. I'm sure he does. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, Heidi, we've been asking a lot of our guests whether or not you consider this movie to be science fiction um i continue to maintain that it's uh, dystopian speculative fiction most people have not agreed with me though what's what's your take on it well i will say that when it comes to categorizing films i have so i mean i will give an opinion but i'll just say part of that opinion is colored by the opinion that i don't really care that much like <laughs> what category things are in you know i i feel like over time i've realized oh i like movies that have some humor in them but i also like mystery and i also you know i like this that the other last year i went to fantastic fest and it was a horror slash or horror genre film festival and i was like what does genre film mean anyways Uh because 
every film fits into some genre or combination of genres. So even saying genre film festival gets gets my brain all muddleified. I mean, now I've kind of looked into it more and gotten more familiar with those terms. But um, I mean, I guess I don't think of a science fiction when I think of this movie. I just think of this as like just a movie that's an action movie with some future jazz to it. You know, like mm-hmm. what's so and and you don't need to go into full detail <laughs> if you've been arguing a point, but like what what to you says science fiction about this? I, it doesn't. I'm the one that says it's not science. Fiction. Oh, it's not science fiction. Yeah. So I agree with you. Yeah. All right. You're one in the minority. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had, well, we had one other I'm guest. Uh, I think Carol Pinchevsky at first agreed with me and then the next minute changed her mind and didn't agree with me anymore. Uh, so I think you're the first one who, as long as you don't change your mind, will fully agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's leave it at that. <laughs> Heidi, one more time. Let us know where we can find you out on the internet and socials and your podcast ventures. Yeah. So Vibrant Visionaries is at VibrantVisionaries.com. And that's me mostly having um, conversations with multi-creative professionals, people I call Vibrant Visionaries, a lot of filmmakers and writers and other fellow podcasters, cartoonists. So if you like listening to conversations with compassionate clever multi-creatives about their projects process and lessons learned along the way including a very special episode with molly balin episode 16 (laughs) where we actually (laughs) (laughs) she and i discuss uh creative burnout and burnout in general and talk a lot about what self-care really looks like and feels like and how to implement free and um, simple ways to combat self-care. So that's episode 16 with Molly. And and uh, that's a real popular one. A lot of people like listening and said, oh, my God, that's me. Oh, thank you for talking with me about this. Mm. It's an epidemic. So I do feel like we all can get burned out uh, producing these podcasts and stuff. So you can check that out at vibrantvisionaries.com. And then like I mentioned before, HeidiBennett.com. You can find out about the, all the podcasts and all the other creative endeavors that I get into. Well, cool. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for being on this week. It has been a delight. Mm-hmm. And you can follow us on Twitter at NY Minute Pod. Also, we have a swell Facebook group called Brains Library, the Escape from New York Minute Hangout. And I just wanted to give a little shout out to our strong yet silent yet very sensual producer, Brad Mendenhall, who keeps <laughs> us <laughs> keeps us sounding tip-top. So thank you, Brad. And with that, be on time, stay out of the sewers, and we'll meet you on the other side of the wall. Mm-hmm.